the European Commission is establishing a special office to help prosecute Russia for crimes. It, no, not crimes <laughs> in the Hague. <laughs> It's Friday, March the 17th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Dareff, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Campaign Vehicle Watcher, and with me today is Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering, and the Benzema of the Gogan Gampion Divisie. <laughs> oh, what a week it was, right? Um, it, it's, it's quite a, yeah, we've had quite a bit happening this week, there's, there's a fair bit of news to get through. Um, I'm still trying to process everything that has yeah. happened uh, in the in the election. Uh, we yeah. had a landslide victory of the Boer uh, Burgerbeweging, the yeah. farmer citizen movement, uh, for 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 the people who uh, have missed it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it really is a landslide election. Never seen something like this before. Yeah, uh, there were municipalities which had an absolute majority of people voting for BBB. I also don't think I ever seen that. Uh, so that more than 50% of people in the municipality voted for a single party. That yeah. is just unprecedented. It's astonishing. Um, yeah. Very astonishing. We will uh, discuss it later uh, in the episode. But uh, before that, let's discuss uh, all the campaign vehicles because you, uh, you are now c- uh, paying close attention to every sort of car, bus or, or, or electric bike political parties are using, right? I've seemed to have been railroaded into this uh, role yeah. as a side gig, yeah, to, to sort of follow. But they're, they're, things keep, weird things keep happening with campaign vehicles. We talked already about uh, the very strange um, forms of transport the parties are using on the campaign trail, like the Fefe Day with their bullion van and the SKP with their little mini electric uh, um, sort of uh, uh, disability yeah. scooters. Uh, not, yeah. not quite, but um, you know, sort of uh, electric vehicles, one-person electric vehicles. And uh, this... Uh, week however uh, we, we had a good old-fashioned bus like a coach um that is uh, uh, the, yes the, the, the fa days battle bus which um i think they must have got from the russians because uh, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. friends in moscow because this bus unfortunately broke down on the campaign trail and uh, i thought rather amusingly it broke down right outside a flower shop called in Hardeberg called Linz. Which, of course, is uh, the town where Adolf Hitler grew up. So they just literally physically cannot get away from references to the Nazis in their day. It's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also a cafe on the opposite side of the road with uh, uh, which serves beer from, from Brand, uh, yeah. which uh, I thought, well, hopefully that cafe is called the Reichstag or something. <laughs> uh, that would also be a nice uh, uh, reference to uh, a, a darker period uh, in European history. Um, yeah, but it was very... They, they ran over a pole or something. They, they wanted to make a turn and then uh, the bus yeah, ran over some sort of uh, uh, concrete pole and it sort of dragged it along the road because uh, there were two photos, I think, uh, that, that sort of circulated on social media and that bus was on, on completely different places, right? But that, yeah. that pole was, 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 uh, was in both pictures. So, it was beneath it, um, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, f- very peculiar. I don't know yeah. how, how it ended, if they managed to... So like their voters four years ago, they completely ignored the warning signs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. And they uh, yeah, sort of stranded in... Uh, yeah, where, where was it? In Harderberg, I believe. Harderberg, yeah, that's yeah. where they stranded, yeah. And you've also been watching the uh, campaign trail, and uh, for your sins, you've, uh, I think for the first time ever, tuned into a programme called Vandaag Inside. 
Uh, no, I I always watch that. Or, or I do you always watch, watch it? it very regularly, but that's only because it it is uh, a football talk show, but only in name. Uh, they yeah. uh, they often uh, sort of uh, yeah sort of deviate from uh, from their main topic and uh, and discuss all sorts of yeah. other issues and topics uh, in politics. Or it's kind in, of saloon uh, bar uh, chat, basically, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, so now yeah, it used to be a football talk show, but they have sort of switched to. Yeah, everything that's not related to football, and they have started another uh, 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 a new football talk show, but with different people. But that's not the point. Uh, we talked about it, I think, last week that uh, Mark Rutte was uh, going to appear on that show, and I uh, I watched it together with uh, almost two million other people. Did you watch it actually? I did see some of it <laughs> on on the catch up. Ah, okay, uh, I made it, but you yeah. haven't. Yeah, I you haven't tuned in and watched yeah. the whole thing. Ah, okay, yeah. well. Uh, it was it was typically yeah i, I think uh, a lot of people were sort of um discussing is this going to be a good move by margaret or not because the uh, talk show hosts were yeah very very critical about uh, about margaret um, 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 um and and yeah he sat down and they they were critical they expressed all their uh, concerns uh, regarding margaret but he mm. yeah he he uh, as margaret does it you know he 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 always knows what to say and yeah. he always know, knows to say the right thing and he did it as well and uh, yeah he uh, sort of um uh, yeah, steam rolled over them. I think with this, uh, with this uh, rhetor- rhetorical qualities. Yeah, um, so there's, there's this um, uh, word you hear people use, uh, rutelen, which is like so based on the rattelen, yeah. right? So right, he basically just he, he's 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 got this ability. He's got, he's got a lot of verbal confidence, Rutter, and he's got this ability to just rattle out very long answers to questions until eventually, which sound very substantial, but actually uh, often completely deviate from the subject until you get lost in the uh, in the kind of maze of words. And uh, that often he uses it. It, it, it. It's kind of a technique that um, uh, that you see him use. But I think here as well, um, yeah, you saw. You know, he, he was able to kind of uh, look, come across as very jovial and kind of uh, joining in the banter uh, while actually not saying very much. Um, no, yeah, and 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 what he said, uh, what he said was was something that he has reversed over and over again, yeah. rehearsed over and over again. Because yeah. uh, if you sometimes w- watch, a, for, for example, an Instagram live session that Margaret regularly does, uh, where people can send him some questions, Th- those were the same questions uh, he was asked on this talk show. So yeah. he knows exactly what to say and also how to say it because he he always knows what kind of audience is watching and how he has to uh, sort of formulate everything. Uh, so he. Did that pretty well, and uh, the talk show host compared him to uh, to Benzema, yeah, uh, 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 the the f- French football player, I think. He plays for Real uh, Madrid. Yes, he's French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and they also called him the Benzema of the Coco Campion division. Well, I think but, they're um, kind of saying that basically um, they end up being very complimentary about Rutter. This is a kind of funny yeah. thing. This is why I think it was actually. A good move by Ritter, although not a big kind of game changer, but uh, because he, they, they were quite flattering towards him. They said, like, uh, he's like Karim Benzema playing in the Kokenkampion Divisi, as in he's way out yeah. of his league. He's head and shoulders oh, yeah. above other politicians. I think that's the. That was it. So they compared their talk show uh, as a. Yeah, Kokenkampion Divisi level. Yeah, they were trying uh, to sort of compare yeah. politics to football analysis, which didn't really work, but. Um, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. But 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 the the whole the, the mental image of Benzema playing in the Coca Campion Divisi is uh, is is entertaining at least. Yeah, uh, probably the highlight yeah. of the thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was kind of, Rita sort of, I think, did this to sort of make himself look like a man of the people by going on a popular talk show. What he actually said wasn't that significant, I don't think. No. The fact that he did it, I think, was probably a maybe a, a kind of small boost to his credibility, although, you know, and I don't think it's, as we saw from the election result we'll get into, it didn't, you know, it didn't sort of swing masses of votes behind him, I don't think. And I think a lot of people, um, uh, he, he just came across as a very sympathetic guy, and yeah. yeah, that's also very important as a politician that people yeah. like you on a personal level. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, on on that level, he 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 did it very well on this talk show because uh, yeah, he just looked, as you said, like someone who could uh, just join the the, the banter and uh, someone you can uh, uh, sit next to in a bar and 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 just have a nice uh, nice evening uh, talking to him. So yeah, um, it it wasn't the game changer as we will see. Later. Mm. Uh, in the in the podcast and uh, when we discussed the results of the election um, but it was definitely not a, a terrible move by uh, Mark Rutte no speaking of terrible moves um, <laughs> this brings us to the uh, OPEF of the week and uh, yeah, yeah when this is how not to banter with people this right? is not <laughs> how to banter with people definitely yes um, as you might remember we have a minister called Hugo de Jonge he was uh, very <laughs> uh, he was very much uh, how do you say that in the picture during the pandemic then he was the uh, the uh, health minister of course um, but now uh, since uh, Rutte's new cabinet has started he basically has been demoted and downgraded to housing minister so we've seen a little bit less about him yeah. and also on this segment of the podcast yeah we sort of uh, uh, we, we miss him on this sh- on the segment I think right do we really so, do we well, miss kind of talking about him and talking about his hair and his shoes and, and his, his uh, and his and his bronzed uh, bronzed face yeah, yeah. well but he's back again, uh, and this time uh, because he uh, received a petition this week from the Homeowners Association, uh, and in it they asked the minister to uh, finally start building some truly affordable houses. Uh, one of the people that uh, offered the petition to him was 25-year-old Frederike. Uh, she told the minister that she is uh, single, she has no student debts, and also a lot of savings, and is still unable to buy a house. Uh, so that was the reason why she offered him this uh, this petition. But the younger responded to her worries by jokingly suggesting that she should marry a rich man. Another petitioner immediately told the minister that uh, he shouldn't say something like this, especially in this day and age. And also uh, yeah, a video of, of this exchange went viral on social media and people also responded angrily to the joke. Uh, however, the jongen apologized uh, yeah, almost a few m- minutes uh, later uh, uh, after this incident uh, for his joke. Uh, he called it on social media misplaced in a tweet uh, where he also uh, offered uh, uh, his apologies to Frederike. Um, and um, this, yeah, sort of mishap, uh, this faux pas led to, uh, I think, the best tweet we've seen uh, uh, after the election results. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, yeah, on Wednesday, of course, the youngest CDA party uh, did not do well, uh, to, say, to put it mildly. And he said that uh, he was hurt by the election results. And someone on Twitter joked that perhaps you should marry someone who did win seats. <laughs> uh, yeah. so this could be the uh, ultimate episode of Bosu Frau, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Bosu is a minister, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this was uh, this was one of the best uh, tweets I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've it's seen. One of the- 
Yeah, you did know, but very good. Yeah, it's one of those comments that uh, sounds good in your head, but as soon as you say it, you realise that you really shouldn't have. And uh, yeah, well, the, I don't know if you've seen uh, the video, but uh, he's he he said he said the joke. Yeah. He said perhaps you should marry a rich man, and Frederica didn't hear him initially. So she's so, so this this person responded says you shouldn't say something like this, mm. and Frederica asked him what exactly did you say, and then he repeated it again. Oh, <laughs> so he said it actually twice within a minute. Right. Okay. So uh, he didn't immediately realized that he shouldn't have said it no uh, but at least he apologized later and um yeah um and the cdr then went and got absolutely trashed at the at the election yes. so. so they even lost the women vote yes on top of all the other votes they lost this week caroline van der plas and the bbb really went to town in the provincial elections we got the lowdown on what that means for the government's stick-soft policy, as well as an expensive basket of news on the economy. Facebook gets wrapped over the knuckles by Dutch judges. And rejoice, because two Dutch teams are marching on in Europe's version of the Koken Company <laughs> Divisie. The Farmers' Party BBB reaped a rich harvest in the provincial elections <laughs> on Wednesday. Provisional results give the party more than 21% of the vote, eclipsing the performance of the surprise newcomers at the last provincial elections, Forum for Democracy. Opinion polls suggested the BBB was on course for an electoral breakthrough, but the scale of its victory surprised everyone, including the BBB's leader, Caroline van der Plas. The yeah, party were, I the think if you if you if you compared all the front and uh, the the front pages of all the um, uh, all the all the newspapers, they had pictures of the of the moment. You know, the, the the exit polls came in, but they the photos were all from a different moment of their of her reactions. Yeah, the front page was just kind of dominated by um, uh, Caroline van der Plas just pulling increasingly startling facial expressions as the yeah, results yeah, came yeah. in. Effectively, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she couldn't quite believe it, and neither could anybody else. I mean, the BBB actually ended up topping the poll in all 12 provinces. Uh, it looked as if Hoon uh, Links might just hold out in Utrecht, uh, like the villages in Asterix, but no, they got steamrolled <laughs> as well. Uh, they took 33.5% of the vote in Drenthe and 31% in Overijssel, um, and the results in the provinces also determine the makeup of the next Senate, where on current projections, although it's very complicated, the BBB could end up with uh, 16, maybe 17 of the 75 seats. Yeah. Uh, the PVDA and Groen Links, who are teaming up in the new Senate, they finished second in the national poll, and they're projected to take 15 seats, which is one a gain of one, uh, and that's a gain for the PVDA, which weirdly they kind of lost on the vote share, but they're actually on course to gain a senator. Um, but that was as, uh, and that was a big consolation for Mark Rutter because although his party, the VVD, finished in third place in what Rutter had called a two-horse race. So that was quite uh, quite an achievement. Uh, the coalition parties are also set to lose eight, possibly nine seats in the Senate, but the alliance of the two centre-left parties would give them enough votes to pass their legislation without having to knock on the door of the Bebe Bay. Funder Plus, of course, said that it would be a scandalous move and it was time for the cabinet to take voters' concerns seriously. Uh, she said, quote, This goes further than nitrogen. People have felt unseen and unheard and they showed that by turning out in big numbers at the ballot box. And they did turn out in big numbers because it was the biggest turnout in provincial elections for 30 years. Um, yeah. The BBB have celebrated their victory with real panache in style. Um, they've uh, turned the flags the right way up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, apparently if you now uh, drive through the countryside, you see you see the the the, the flags the right way up uh, uh, yeah. on mass. Uh, if if someone has found the time uh, to to do that uh, by now, because there's so many of these flags. Yeah, there's uh, huge numbers of flags. On the motorway up to to Leiden, there's just a whole kind of it's like an avenue basically of about there must be about 15 of these flags all on very high poles. So yeah. somebody's going to have to go out with a big cherry picker and. Um, take them down and, uh, yeah, and, and turn them upside down of course uh, if they've been hanging out in the sun of course and some of them, half of them have turned into Luxembourg flags as well which is <laughs> uh, another problem um, yes I mean um, yeah I'm still as I said uh, at the start of the uh, uh, podcast I'm still trying to process everything that has happened I mean 16 seats uh, for the baby bay in, in the senate is just such an enormous uh, win and uh, also just to uh, see what has happened to the CDA, the Christian Democrats mm. uh, they, I mean not so long ago they had 40 seats in the Tweede Kamer uh, and now they have lost in literally 99.5% of all the municipalities uh, they've yeah, lost the when, seats when you yeah. see the map right So if you look at the map of the provincial elections like uh, all the council elections uh, say 10 years ago it was a sea of uh, CDA green and now yeah. it's all baby bay green or Kroon Links green. I mean, Kroon Links is the part, big party, biggest party in a lot of the cities, but the city has just vanished. I mean, right? So yeah. They used to be the biggest party in rural areas, and they've just, uh, yeah, been knocked right down. Five seats in the Senate. Yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, they, 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 they lost four. Yeah, according to their current projections, of course, we still have to wait uh, how 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 the uh, Senate elections turn out. But if they indeed lose uh, lose uh, four seats, uh, this is just a record record number uh, in terms of um, yeah uh, the the lowest number of seats uh, the CDI has ever had yeah. in the Senate. It, it's uh, the latest they, in a series of kind of record lows, right? Yeah, in the last trade camera election, they were down to fifteen seats, which I think is uh, a record low for them. Um, yeah, as well. As well. So, the, yeah, the, the decline has been, you know, pre- actually over the last, since Balkanender left office in 2010, pretty, pretty spectacular. Yeah. and yeah. But they're not the only party that has lost seats. Uh, every party lost seats in yeah. the Senate. Apart uh, except from, for, of course, the Partei van de Dieren. Partei van de Dieren. Yeah, oh, yeah, they, they, they won one, one seat. Yeah. yeah, just like uh, Labour did as well. Uh, yeah. But the rest just all, yeah, uh, lost, uh, lost votes. And that shows that... Um, we all thought that Baby Bay was going to attract most CDA voters uh, and also uh, voters from uh, the sort of the anti-establishment parties, BVV and Form for Democracy, which is true. Most voters for the Baby Bay come from the uh, come from uh, uh, the Wilders BVV party, 21%. But they managed to to get votes from 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 all parties uh, uh so that shows that they're not the typical anti-establishment party that we see pop up uh, once every uh, five to ten years uh, they are a much broader party right now and they m- managed to gain support from 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 the entire political spectrum which is also unprecedented uh, in a way and um that's why i do think that um, 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 the establishment parties, the cartel parties, as Bodin uh, calls them, <laughs> uh, they they wouldn't do well to ignore BBB both in the provinces and in the Senate because, um, yeah, if they do that, then these voters that they have lost, uh, I don't see see them return anytime soon to 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 their old parties, which in the end is of course the the ultimate goal of uh, of, of of a party to win votes. So um, yeah, I wouldn't advise them to ignore them. Uh, 
as they managed to do with Forum for Democracy four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but that was, of course, because Baudet already dismissed himself as a political force on the on the on the on the night of the election results with this infamous uh, Owl of Minerva speech. Yes, yeah, tremendous and Owl of Minerva speech. But um, yeah, so, but at the same time, it is kind of a mainly a reshuffle of votes on the right. And what you've kind of seen is that the votes votes have drifted away from the you know, the established parties on the right, the um, parties of, the parts of government, the FFD and the CDR, and they've gone more to the kind of radical right parties uh, like the BBB um, and Yain and Twintach who've entered the Senate as well but the BBB really sort of uh, picked up votes um, partly from Fefe de CDR, also from Pefefe, which I thought was really interesting. I think more from Pefefe yep. than a lot of people realised, and I think that's partly because Caroline van der Plas uh, has taken a much harder line on migration than uh, in, in 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 the last uh, year or so. Um, and I think I think somebody's done some very I think some very shrewd um, uh, you know market research here and realised that uh, migration was an open door for the for the BBB if they wanted to pick up more votes from uh, in places where Hit Builders has been strong. And, um, yeah, yeah, because because typically, if yeah. you if you look at the map uh, where uh, where you know uh, where, where people vote for the PVV, these are usually concentrated in the border regions, yeah. South Limburg, uh, uh, Brabant, uh, in the east of the country. Uh, but BBB is just, yeah, as you said, it's just this this blanket of of BBB green spread over the country. It's not only concentrated in the traditionally anti-establishment regions, but but it is uh, uh, over the entire country and also in the cities, for example, because. Ten uh, percent uh, of the people in Rotterdam, for example, voted for for Baby Bay. It's yeah. just not it, uh, the, the name suggests they are one issue party, the Boer Burgerbeweging, the Farmer uh, 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 Citizen Movement. But they managed to 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 do go, to get votes from not only the 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 rural areas, but also from from the cities. And you see also uh, uh, in, in most cities, as you said, Groen Links won. Mm. So, so if you look at the map where where where, where parties won, you see these sparks of of of, of uh, green left green uh, areas. Those are the big cities. But but if you look closely at uh, at, at these results, you see that there was a, a two horse race, uh, and usually it was between. BBB and GroenLinks. So uh, and GroenLinks won just slight. Uh, in most cases, they just yeah. won won uh, slightly. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, we thought there was a two horse race. Uh, uh, it was forced upon us by Margrethe mm-hmm. that it was between the VVD and Labour and GroenLinks. Uh, we all thought. We all knew in our heads that it was actually a two-horse race between Bay 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 and uh, uh, the rest of the establishment. But yeah, this is uh, uh, it's it's much deeper than we thought. I think that this this discontent among uh, citizens uh, who uh, went out en masse mm. to vote for uh, for Bay Bay Bay. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's worth saying the point about about Kuhn Links actually, because although their vote share has gone down slightly, that they, they had very good results last time. In the firm, in in last the last round of uh, provincial elections, so the fact they hung on to the vast majority of that vote is actually not a bad result for them, especially given you know, the whole climate of um, you know, the, 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 there's been so much coverage in the media of the farmers' protests and uh, this kind of resistance to nitrogen plans. Kuhn links, of course, are the party probably that are you know, most in favour of not just the current nitrogen plans, but actually stronger uh, and faster moves towards energy transition and scaling back the. Um, um, uh, the, the 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 farming sector uh, along with uh, along with Daisy and Zester. So the fact that Kuhn Links performs strongly, I think, shows that there's a very, you know, uh, quite a strong vote um, behind that um, uh, point of view as well as a strong vote yeah. for the BBB. And also, of course, the Partei Federalist, who are even further to so they're kind of the idealistic um, uh, left wing 
party. They also gained in their vote share and have been gaining steadily the last five years. So certainly a kind of concentrated um, uh, and quite committed uh, electorate uh, that, that, that says, uh, you know, we, we really need to um, press ahead with this, uh, um, with, with these green reforms. And that shouldn't yeah, be overlooked if- either. Yeah, even though Labour and GroenLinks, uh, they didn't manage to uh, gain as much seats as they uh, wished by teaming up, uh, uh, I think, uh, because only a win of only one seat is definitely not something that uh, uh, they would have signed for if they knew uh, <laughs> when, when, they, when they started to... Uh, to yeah, basically merge their uh, factions in the Senate. Yeah, sure. Um, but I think in the face of this kind of a baby bay steamroller where they got, I mean, the baby bay got more seats than the polls are predicting. They were predicting like so thir- about 30, 12, 13 seats, and they've ended up yeah. with 16. So, yeah, the, 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 they've, yeah, the fact that um, yeah, the, the, the Koenig's pay for vote held up in front of, in the face of that, I think uh, they, 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 they'll be fairly pleased, I think. Yes. So um, you managed uh, the Senate. Uh, uh, Links, BVDA, they are projected to win 15 seats or to have 15 seats, Baby Bay 16. Uh, but that does mean that uh, the cabinet who has how many seats was well, it? Well, 23, I think. Is the latest 23. Uh, and while the, the the coalition has 23 seats, so less than one third of the seats in the Senate, uh, they have now surprisingly more options than they did before the elections, right? Well, they have more options, yes, because they can. Um, they do have, crucially, I think, for Fergota, the option of um, uh, of teaming up with uh, the two parties on the left, and that would sideline the BBB um, in the Senate. And I think that was kind of Fergota's. We, we talked last week about how Fergota was maybe kind of bigging up the campaign against the Kulniks um, and BVDR in the in the hope that they would they would get the seats they needed, so he could do this deal with them because they've been quite um, you know amenable partners to him in the past. They've uh, backed his votes in the Senate. Remember, the cabinet didn't have a majority in the current Senate either. So um, they've had to do deals with uh, Koenlinks or PVDR. Now they have to do deals with both parties. But since they've obligingly teamed up to form a single faction, that's more straightforward than it would otherwise have been. So, yeah, on the one hand, uh, he does have, uh, he has the numbers to get a majority without the BBB, but of course, it still leaves him with an almighty headache, because uh, this really just throws a huge spanner in the works of the whole nitrogen reduction plan, um, which, uh, just to recap for people who've been asleep for the last four years, I mean, the government (laughs) needs to cut nitrogen compound emissions across the country to meet European rules to protect conservation areas known as Natura 2000 zones, and uh, that's uh, Natura, Natura 2000 zones. And uh, that, that's following uh, a ruling by the Council of State, which is a binding judgment uh, in a case that was brought by the campaign group Mobilisation for the Environment. And that meant that uh, all environmental permits for building projects, which are issued by the provincial governments, have been put on hold. And uh, yeah, the, the, the basically a lot of... Uh, necessary large-scale construction work, things like building housing estates because of the backlog of housing in the country, have all has all had to be put on hold until they come up with a new permit regime. Yes, um, and, and now crucially, um, these nitrogen plans, which the government has, uh, has uh, drawn up, uh, they have to be executed by the provinces. They yeah. have the tasks now with the provinces to, to, to start implementing all these plans in order to reduce the reduction, but these election results will... Yeah, as you say, uh, put a spanner in the works of uh, of all the of the cabinet's plans, right? Because yeah. the baby bay won in most uh, in most uh, uh, provinces. They won in and all provinces, yeah. And in some in provinces, provinces, like the like for example in Drenthe, I mean they have they are so far ahead. They have seventeen seats in the provincial assembly, and the next biggest party has four. 
So you cannot form a coalition <laughs> wow. without the PBB. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, but at the so, same time, because the other parties are so fragmented, when you actually look around the provinces, you find the BBB is going to have to do, you know, it, there, there was talk about whether they could form coalitions maybe with just like all the um, all the other parties on the right, like Pefe, Fenya and Twintuch. They actually haven't got the votes uh, for that because those other mm. parties are so small. So they're going to have to reach out to, if they want to form coalitions, and Caroline van der Plas says that she wants to cooperate, they're going to have to um, uh, yeah, uh, bring in at least one of the established parties. So that's going to be interesting as well. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, it's um, imagine that we're going to have these uh, provincial revolts, right? This mm. sort of re- provincial rebellions. I don't think we've ever seen that uh, provincial administrations are yeah the the, the sleepiest uh, administrations in the country right? so nobody knows what they are doing uh, who who is actually in the provincial councils and who who are the yeah gedeputeerde which are basically the the provincial versions of ministers nobody knows that yeah. but i think in the near future we will hear more and more about them because uh, yeah they are probably going to re- resist uh, the the government's plans on this yeah. uh, as well as uh, we, you talked about uh, the baby based stance on uh, immigration. Uh, the provinces also have an important task in implementing the uh, spreading law, which uh, uh, the government also is uh, drawing up right now, yeah. uh, which is um, uh, uh, trying to ensure a better spread of asylum seeker centers over the country. Um, and if yeah, uh, a party that is also more or less anti-immigration uh, uh, is, is, uh, is leading these uh, provincial coalitions, that will also definitely cause an enormous headache for uh, the, 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 the government in The Hague. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the provinces also have been given this deadline of July the 1st to come up with uh, like detailed regional plans for for uh, for buying out farms. Now, of course, yeah. the BBB are absolutely, totally, implacably opposed to any kind of compulsory purchase scheme for farmers. Uh, that's you know, their number one policy, basically. Saying you know, we cannot buy out, uh, you know, we cannot force farmers to give up their land, even if the government is offering to buy them out. Um, but on the other hand, the government's planners have said that there is no alternative because eleven thousand farms have to close in order yeah. to meet these nitrogen reduction targets. You're not going to manage that just by voluntary buyouts alone. So on the one hand, you have the cabinet who, if they do a deal with the paper down for links, uh, will be will, will be obliged by the courts and forced by their negotiating partners to take a you know to to to, to, to stick with this nitrogen plan and even you know harden it up. On the other hand, the BBB who will be running many of the provincial, you know, the biggest party in many of the provincial governments, uh, so just blocking everything. So yeah. how are they going to get out of it? I have no idea. It is an enormous headache for Rutte and for as all as he said this week after the election that uh, you know the, the election result means that he can carry on governing the country and there's no serious threat to his uh, cabinet I think in practice everything's going to just grind to a halt uh, unless he does something unless he pulls a rabbit out of a hat yeah not to mention the fact that um, the parties in the coalition that are yeah, naturally all already uh, reluctant uh, uh, about these plans, VVD, CDA, but also in, to a lesser extent, ChristenUnie. Uh, what are they going to do? Are they going to um, redefine their stance in the nitrogen uh, 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 issues because they want to attract their voters back? Uh, are they going to, you know, um, uh, adopt a more lenient uh, uh, um, uh, standpoint regarding uh, regarding uh, stickstoff, regarding nitrogen? That will also cause a lot of tensions within the coalition itself, because the the only party that is very much in favor of 
implementing uh, these nitrogen um, uh, plants is DESA's assessor, which is already irritating a lot of uh, uh, coalition partners with their yeah, radical uh, 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 comments, uh, which uh, f- uh, especially their nitrogen um, spokesperson, Chair yeah. uh, Groot, often says, right? He, 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 every time there is a microphone, he says that, yeah, we need to get rid of 50% of all the livestock in the Netherlands, yeah. which, of course, <sighs> causes a lot of friction within the coalition and also yeah. in, in, in the society itself. So, yeah, it's it's also, it's not only a, a headache within the provinces, it's not only a headache in the Senate, it's also a headache in the Tweede Kamer itself and in the coalition, okay. in the Treverzaal, where the Council of Ministers will meet every every Friday. So, lots of headaches, we need yeah. a lot of aspirin uh, <laughs> in the near future, I think, yeah, especially Mark Rutte. Yeah, and one thing I hadn't really thought about is, as you say, I mean, the, the CDR, who are the party that suffered most from the rise of the PPP, are also the party in the coalition that are most reluctant to uh, adopt this uh, nitrogen plan. They've already, you know, Vokra Hoekstra has already said a couple of times that uh, maybe we can yeah. shift this date to 2030 that the government has set for uh, cutting nitrogen pollution by 50% and say maybe we can push that to 2035, um, you know, have a look at have another look at that, and I think certainly the CDR are now going to put a lot of pressure within the coalition um, to um, yeah to, to try and water down the plans a bit and try and meet the um, uh, yeah to, uh, try and find a, some kind of a common ground or do some kind of deal that's uh, acceptable to BBB. But ultimately, the BBB has this very hard line of no compulsory buyouts, yeah. and yeah, the, the, I mean, what's, where are the CDR? CDR are going to go. I mean, if if they start uh, negotiating with the BBB, are Days and Zestig going to get on board? I, yeah. I, I cannot imagine the Christian Democrats of all parties pulling out of a coalition, but what else do they do? Who knows? If, yeah. yeah, yeah. what else can they do? Yeah. I think every every deal that the cabinet might struck with BBB is, that is acceptable for BBB is unacceptable for Days and Zestig and vice versa. So, yeah, we really have, yeah, a lot yeah. of headaches to yeah, look forward to. Yeah, and of course, this now has his partners on board, the, or the, the, its best friends on board, the PFD and Kuhn Links. So, yeah. I mean, that's going to weaken, you know, um, the position of the CDR and to a lesser extent the PFD within the coalition as well. Yeah. So it's going to be... But on the, o- on the other hand, uh, uh, now I come to think of it, I mean, these are the, the major topics, right? S- nitrogen and immigration. But yeah. uh, for, for the rest, the cabinet also needs a majority in the Senate. Every every law, every bill they propose. Um, and yeah, in a way that might be the sort of the new composition of the Senate might be uh, 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 much more, much, yeah, a, a lot. Uh, it's improved in that regard, I think, because uh, if they have a bill that is more left, left-leaning, they might have uh, support from GroenLinks and PvdA. And if they have a bill that uh, is more right-leaning, then they can can ask BBB or other parties to to uh, to support it. So. Um, I think um, uh, the the nitrogen immigration um, dossiers are going to cause a lot of headaches, but in the other areas, policy fields, I think they have uh, uh, a lot more options right now. So uh, mm. that is, a, if if there is some positive <laughs> note uh, for the coalition uh, yeah. uh, for this uh, to to say about these election results, I think it's this. Yeah. There's one glimmer of hope we can hang on to. It is. Yes. Such, uh, yeah. Maybe. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is uh, shining very. <laughs> 
<laughs> very <laughs> softly. It's shining a very dim light in the yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at least there is some light. Yeah. Um waterboards. I think lots to talk about. Still we haven't processed everything yet. Um uh, uh, in the near in the near future we'll definitely talk about the, the rest of the election results as well. I think um politics, the, the, the politics in The Hague, but also in the provinces has shaken up so dramatically. Yeah. It still needs to find a new equilibrium, yes. And um <laughs> Perhaps there isn't one, and we, we're going to have a yeah. new Tweede Kamer election very very soon. Yeah. Who well, knows? One of the it best is... quotes about Dutch politics I ever read was in uh, The Bluffer's Guide to the Netherlands uh, that I bought back 20 years ago, and it just basically said that Dutch politics is set up to be extremely boring and technocratic, and if Dutch politics ever becomes interesting, it's a sign that something's gone terribly wrong. And I think uh, we've seen <laughs> that quote borne out in the last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, definitely things have... Uh, have uh, yeah. It's, uh, we, we have a lot of interesting times uh, 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 to look forward to, I think. Yeah. Uh, but if there is, if there has been a point in the in the past 13 years that uh, Mark Rutte's um, cabinet has been, I think this is the most unstable uh, moment in uh, politically unstable moment in Mark Rutte's uh, political life. I think. Um, I really, I really think we're going to have new elections in the, in the near future. You really do. Yeah, yeah it's going to come I do to that. think so. I'm not sure in the near future, but I think possibly, yeah, seeing out the cabinet's term till, what is it? It's supposed to run till March 2025, isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, that looks I tough, don't think we're going to make that. No, no. don't think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, we shouldn't forget uh, about uh, that other very important election we had on Wednesday. That's the waterboards. Yes. Um, how about that? Yeah, I voted in the waterboards, so I'm. How was uh, it? I've got a vested interest in that. Well, but I mean, it means I got to vote, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the only one who was happy to vote because I saw on social media a, a video of a, a Russian uh, a young young woman, a young Russian woman, who was literally in tears because uh, yeah, it was the first time in her life that she uh, was able to she lives in the netherlands and was yeah. the first time in her life that she was able to yeah vote in fair open elections which uh weren't um yeah uh, uh rigged in any way yeah. or so uh, yeah it's um a lot of people don't realize that the right to vote is 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 a huge privilege and yeah they underestimate uh, it yeah which is why i think that you know for all of the drama and disruption that uh, is uh it's probably on its way as well to these elections. The fact that fifty-seven percent of people turned out in a provincial election as actually shows that democracy is is pretty healthy in the Netherlands. And uh, yes, that's a precious thing. And all this political drama is there because the people want it, and yeah, not because exactly. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they signed up and for not it. Because they yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, and the BBB have actually done pretty well as well in the 23 Vatshappen. Um, counting there is, is a bit slower because I think they have to dry out the ballot papers uh, on the radiator <laughs> before they can count them. But the, the Farmers' Party are set to be the largest group on six water authorities out of 12 that have uh, declared so far. Uh, other strong performers have been the PFDA and Water Natuurlijk, which is a combination of Deze Zestig, Fault and Hoonlinks. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> so you obviously did your research before you um, before you cast your vote in the waterboard election. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Uh, also surprising that PVDA won so many. Yeah, uh, uh, got a big win in this election. I did, I did never knew that they were a, f- yeah, also a force in uh, in the waterschap uh, 
area of politics, but apparently yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, they very, yeah, very much are. And as, it, yeah, as, we, as we discussed uh, last week, the, the, the water boards have yeah become more political entities because they set they do things that they 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 as well as setting the uh, the water levels and the drainage dikes, uh, which obviously is a big thing for the farmers with their fields. Uh, you know um, uh, how much water there is uh, in in in, uh, in and around their fields. Uh, it's also big that they're also very important on things like water purity. And actually, we got a question from a patron. Uh, about this, which uh, I thought was very relevant here. Um, Laurie Mitzel, thank you for your question, Laurie, uh, got in touch to tell us about her son, who's from the US and studying in Maastricht, uh, because all Maastricht University students are from Amer- Americans these days. Uh, Laurie asks us, uh, he's particularly excited and explains the importance of the water authorities by saying this election is actually a big deal, since the majority of EU-mandated clean water programmes haven't been implemented by the Netherlands so far. So if the farmers get hold of them, well, what's going to happen? So, yeah, the water will get even more dirty than it already is because <laughs> I think ninety nine percent of uh, all water bodies in the Netherlands are, um, yeah, polluted um, uh, above EU levels. Um, that is a big problem, and uh, also something that GroenLinks and uh, the Partij voor de Dieren, for example, the Animal Rights Party, uh, always uh, uh, are always talking about. But it is a huge problem, and might be something that now I come to think of it, the whole nitrogen um, uh, 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 story started when someone went to court over it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, and what if someone uh, does the same thing? Uh, and also we're going to talk about the CO2 uh, emissions uh, later on the podcast. There was also a court case by Urgenda. Um, what if someone goes to court over, over, the, over, the, over the water, oh, the water um, quality, yeah. Situ- yeah. quality situation? Yeah, that might be a similar, similar fa- it might have a similar effect because, yeah, it is a EU uh, mandate. And that means that the Netherlands has to stick to it, just like uh, uh, what was the case with, uh, with uh, the nitrogen emission in the yeah. Natura 2000 areas. Um, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, um, a lot of a lot of people will emphasize that the Netherlands is, of course, Europe's biggest delta. There are uh, three uh, huge rivers that end up here in the Netherlands: the Rhine, the Meuse, and and the Schelde. Uh, they all come from areas with heavy industry, so all the pollution that is caused there. Uh, we import it, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, not the dirty <laughs> immigration. Uh, <laughs> 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 Might yeah. be something. Actually, this is something that PVV should focus on because well, this this is, is, which is shutting out the water. We should just dr- yeah, we, exactly. we should just, dr- we should just literally drain the swamp, right? Build a big yeah. da- build a big dam in a, a, just beyond our <laughs> name. Yeah, in Salt exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's of course not the only cause of, of pollution because yeah, a lot of lot of lot of uh, water that we have in the Netherlands uh, comes from the sky and not from uh, mm-hmm. from the rivers. Um, we pump it in the rivers, but that's a different story, and that's what the water ports do, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, what was the yeah. question again? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the, I mean, the the the, 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 uh, the uh, yeah, uh, the question was yeah, yeah whether um, yeah, uh, what the effect of a BBB win or influence in the water authorities might have on water water quality. And given mm. the BBB basically, um, you know, the farmers want to keep the water table low and uh, keep uh, pumping um, uh, out water out of the fields into the drainage dikes. That maybe suggests that uh, you know, the, trying to balance that with uh, the need for clean water, and of course that's the legal obligation of the water authorities is yeah. going to get more challenging 
probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, Mark Harbers, the infrastructure minister, said last summer that uh, the Netherlands really needs to get to grips with the problem of water quality. It's the bottom of the European league table. So it's, we're, we're in the Koken Kampioen Divisie of uh, <laughs> water management at the moment. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, as you say, if, if we don't uh, improve the quality of the water and meet these European standards, um, then, as uh, uh, the Union of uh, Water Authorities, the Union of Waterschap, has said, um, you know, it's important for, for both uh, public health and the environment that the the quality of our water gets much, much better. But that, of course, means uh, we're going to have to spend a lot more money on water purification facilities, which don't come cheap. Um, we have to take measures to develop more floodplains and uh, make uh, make more space for water as the sea levels rise. So it's going to yeah, it, 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 it's going to become uh, a much more complicated and uh, probably politically polarized issue. To be continued. Yes. As well. How Mark Rutte would have wished It's the Economy Stupid was true, because while his coalition lost nine seats and uh, with that a majority in the Senate, the Dutch economy is doing pretty well. New figures from the National Statistics Agency CBS showed this week that unemployment fell slightly to 3.5% in February. And for the past three months, the number of jobless has fallen by an average of 3,000 a month and is now around 356,000. In total, some 154,000 people are currently claiming unemployment benefits, which is 34,000 less than a year ago. And in all sectors, the number of unemployment claims have dropped, with the largest drop of 46% in the hospitality sector, also known as Horeca. Yeah, so unemployment uh, still holding up very strongly, and the CBS has also published new figures on inflation. Yes, they have revised earlier figures, but the overall inflation figure for February hasn't changed from the earlier estimate of 8%. Food was 18.4% more expensive in February than one year ago, and clothing was up almost 12% in price, but, uh, but this has a lesser effect on the total inflation rate, because we spent less money on clothes. Why would that be, I think? Yeah. Fuel and energy, on the other hand, was cheaper than in February 2022, Petrol is down 9.4% compared to a year ago, while this number was 5.6% in January. And the motor behind the increase in food prices was the rising cost of fresh vegetables, which mostly come from um, the Westland, uh, this uh, mm. enormous area full of uh, greenhouses, right? Food prices account for 2.2% points of the 8% inflation rate. And uh, these greenhouses, uh, they uh, uh, have been struggling with soaring energy prices over the past year. And that means that the bell peppers and the cauliflowers and the tomatoes that come from them are a little bit more expensive. Yeah. At least we still have tomatoes. Unlike At least we countries. still have them, yeah. yeah. There yeah. are there are countries in, uh, in our vicinity which uh, uh, do not <laughs> offer them anymore in the shells yeah yeah but people will be commissioning paintings of tomatoes soon tomatoes <laughs> themselves are getting too expensive yes the cbs expects that the total inflation of 2023 will be four percent as a result of uh, stabilizing energy prices even though uh, these remain significantly higher than before the russian invasion of ukraine yeah and have you noticed i mean fresh fruit and vegetables are ridiculously expensive and the cucumbers seem to have doubled in price in the last year or something but i think some things in the shops actually seem to be getting a little cheaper you notice this at all uh, uh, toilet paper definitely not <laughs> toilet paper definitely not no but like a bag of pasta I think is a few cents uh, oh. cheaper it's little things like that so you're yeah, just seeing yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, signs but, of maybe this price inflation is peaking. Of course, if if the the energy prices, obviously the, the the market prices absolutely soared last year and then have fallen back again, so that should mean that that starts to feed through into the commercial prices. So maybe in six months' time, we'll see food prices drop again as the bills to power these greenhouses come down. Are the packages still the same size though? Because oh. uh, I, I also noticed uh, that a lot of products uh, just have smaller containers. And, well, uh, they're sold by weight, so I think the packages oh, are yeah. still the same size. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally just like you know, five or ten cents is not you know, in the context of how much food has gone up in the last year, it's not a great deal. But um, yeah. maybe it's a sign that they're not going to go up anymore. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Even though we had uh, we, we had a this increase in price for eggs, for example, after the Vipronil scandal, right? This uh, chemical they used to clean uh, chicken farms, uh, which turned out to be poisonous for people, mm. and then the egg prices, uh, yeah, soared because you know the supply deteriorated. But it hasn't gone down ever since. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm not confident that this will happen to the other prices as well. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of greenhouses, uh, the uh, Dutch uh, environmental footprint shrunk last year with uh, 9% as industry, homes and the farming sector cut back on their use of natural gas. Uh, This does mean that greenhouse emissions in 2022 were almost 32% down on those of 1990, and that is below the government's target of a 25% reduction. So uh, good job to us all. Have the PVDR put out another tweet thanking Vladimir Putin for this? Uh, (laughs) I haven't seen that, but... uh, uh, I mean, elections are over now, so we might see uh, some politicians uh, being less careful with these sort of comments <laughs> now. In 2019, the Dutch Supreme Court or Council of State ruled that the Dutch state has an obligation under the European Treaty of Human Rights to reduce greenhouse uh, gas emissions to protect the health and safety of its people. This is one of these uh, court cases we just discussed. And this target was just met in 2020 and slightly exceeded in 2021. Homes, shops and offices cut their emissions by 21% last year. And they were, of course, helped significantly by a mild winter. And also industrial emissions fell by 11% as the oil and chemical industries switched to alternatives or halted production temporarily. The use of coal and oil, however, remained unchanged, and the greenhouse gases produced by cars, lorries, and other forms of mobility also didn't change, despite the uh, soaring gas prices that we've seen in the past year. Because the other thing that happened uh, in 2020 and 2021 is because we had the pandemic, so we weren't driving as much. So that helped to cut emissions as well. Yes. Yeah. So uh, thanks to Putin and pandemics, yeah. we are finally saving the climate, uh, yeah. sla- saving the earth. The unholy <laughs> alliance of a murderous dictator <laughs> and uh, a, a deadly virus has saved us all. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time when we hang out the flag the right way up and without the Luxembourg <laughs> band at the bottom for our loyal and valued patrons and thank them for their very generous and continuing donations. As much as we love bringing these podcasts and uh, talking about uh, the absolute carnage in uh, that is Dutch politics at the moment, they do take time and a small amount of money to make, but mostly time, to be honest. Uh, so every dollar or euro you can spare to fund our efforts uh, is very welcome indeed. This week we got shout-outs for two new patrons, uh, Elspeth, thank you very much Elspeth, and Marianne Rietland. Thank you. Uh, thanks to both of you and to everybody else uh, who supports this podcast all new patrons will get a special shout out and you can ask us any questions that you have about the Netherlands and you get access to all our bonus content as well so if any of that inspires you to sign up as a sponsor of uh, the podcast log on to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dutchnewsnl 
More court cases now and mass claims because a court in Amsterdam has found that Facebook broke Dutch law in the way it processed the personal data of people living in the Netherlands. Stichting Data Bescherming Nederland and the Consumer Rights Association Consumentenbond brought a mass claim against a social media site covering a period of almost 10 years up until the start of 2020. The court found that Facebook had not properly informed users that their information would be shared or that their friends' data would be passed on. And it's the first stage of what's likely to be a long battle for compensation. Dick Baumar, the chairman of DPS, said it was now up to Facebook to make an offer. Sandra Molinar, director of the Consumentabond, said it sends a strong message not just to Facebook, but to other tech companies that flout privacy laws, looking at you very hard, TikTok. <laughs> but uh, Facebook's owners, Meta, have said they will appeal against the decision. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to the compensation uh, so that I can finally start buying cauliflowers again. Me too, yeah. But that's not the only news about data privacy this week, right? No, because uh, digital rights campaigners have criticised plans by the European Commission to crack down on online child abuse. The Commission wants to make hosting providers and chat services responsible for monitoring users' messages for indecent images or other signs of abuse. In particular, they want hosts to intercept messages that are covered by end-to-end encryption on services like WhatsApp and Telegram and Signal and kind of compare them with known images of abuse Mm. so they can detect people sending indecent images. The EU says encryption makes it harder to trace abuse, but Bits of Freedom, a Dutch privacy group, said compromising encryption would weaken security for all users and breach people's fundamental right to privacy. Yeah. Basically, the, the flip side of the argument that if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear is, well, if you've got nothing to hide, why should you keep having to prove that you've got nothing to hide? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rio Zenka of uh, Bits of Freedom said it would increase the risk of images ending up in the wrong hands, while law and technology lecturer Sarah Eskins said it would endanger the work of journalists and lawyers who, of course, depend on confidentiality. They have to be sure that their contacts are secure, she said. Yes, and also uh, just for regular yeah. citizens, I think, uh, regular individuals, they also have a right to confidentiality and to um, briefgeheim. What's that in English? Um, secrecy of correspondence. Yeah, yeah, that's also a human totally, right yeah. and also a basic right almost. So, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't devise a system of communication that's completely immune from being abused by bad actors, right? So you shouldn't build your system on the presumption that, that everyone might be sending inappropriate content. It just means you're going to continually erode privacy. It's the same thing that we've seen recently with the new law that's directed to sort of prevent money laundering, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which um, suggests that banks should track all payments over 100 euros and record them and to uh, allow law enforcement to look into that in case they suspect money laundering. But yeah, that's also something that just seems so an overreaction because if you're laundering money, you're not going to do that in batches of 100 euros, right? You do it in much larger quantities, I assume. I mean, I'm not a money launderer, but that's (laughs) something that I would do. So yeah, that's also a breach of of, of privacy for a lot of people because, you know, every time you sell something on Marktplatz for over 100 euros, it's recorded and the government can look into that. And yeah, it's, it's really something that we want and also what if a certain political party uh, gets into power that's not so friendly towards uh, basic human rights and are very very interested in these sort of transactions uh, exactly and it has all this information at its disposal yeah, yeah. just uh, and also I, mean, I think there's just a logistical point here which is that if you're soaking up these huge amounts of data who is actually sifting through it and checking everything yeah you know, do they have the resources to actually carry out this task is it not making it even more complicated for them so it seems a bit of a self-defeating objective and they're breaching people's fundamental privacy rights uh, for the sake of a system that doesn't really work 
According to the New York Times, the International Criminal Court in The Hague is planning to open two cases focusing on Russian war crimes in Ukraine. One case would focus on the kidnapping of Ukrainian children by Russia, which they were very open about, uh, surprisingly. Oh yeah, they're, they're posting videos and everything. Yeah, that yeah. they are taking Ukrainian children and uh, let other Russians adopt yeah. them, as they euphemistically yeah, call it. Yeah, they basically say they're liberating children from Ukraine, right? That's a yeah. completely bogus argument. For the, I think thousands of children have been like, sort of taken away from crashes in Ukraine and uh, relocated to Russia and adopted by yeah, by force, basically, by, by, by Russian families. Yeah, R- Russia says this involves a thousand children, but uh, human rights organizations have estimated that it's uh, uh, closer to 6,000 and possibly 8,000 children. So they're not entirely open about no. everything. Uh, and the second court would be focused on the deliberate targeting of civilian infrastructure, which Russia is also kind of open about but they say yeah we uh, are only bombing uh, electricity uh, plants because we regard that as a military target and not as a civilian uh, yeah, target which is a rather shaky argument anyway and uh, sources uh, told the New York Times that the court would shortly ask for several arrests to be made and that Russian President Vladimir Putin might be one of the those indicted the ICC not to be confused with the International Cricket Council <laughs> Uh, that also deals with terrible uh, offences against... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do we have cricket news? We don't need cricket news this uh, week. No, no, this time not. Okay. Uh, the ICC doesn't recognize immunity for heads of state who are implicated in war crimes. Uh, the court didn't comment on the New York Times report. It only referred to the ongoing investigation by its chief prosecutor into war crimes, crimes against humanity and genocide in Ukraine, which was launched uh, a year ago. And both Russia and Ukraine aren't signatories to the court's founding documents, which may makes actual trials unlikely in the near future. And another complicating factor is that the US is also not a member state of the ICC. And um, the White House, the Biden administration, is really torn between sharing their intelligence uh, in order to provide proof for these uh, war crimes, while the Pentagon, the Department of Defense of the United States, uh, is more reluctant to do that because if they share it, then it would set a legal precedent by allowing to uh, prosecute citizens of non-member states. And that would might lead to uh, also court cases against the U.S. military itself. Yeah. So uh, they are uh, reluctant to do that. The ICC is also related to the, the Hague, what was it called? This law that... The, the Hague Invasion Act, yeah. Yes, the US actually passed the Hague Invasion Act, which means that if a US military official is ever indicted uh, by the ICC and brought to the Hague, they can actually send in the army to bring him out in a kind of Hollywood-style heist. Yeah, you can stand on the the pier of Schaveningen with uh, with a gun and you can provide (laughs) this uh, US invasion. I would love to see that. And uh, the Hague can also add another office to its uh, long, long list of international agencies, right? Yes, because the European Commission is establishing a special office in the Hague to help prosecute Russia for crimes in Ukraine. The International Center for the Prosecution of the Crime of Aggression in Ukraine, it's also a Soviet-style name, I think. They will coordinate the collection of evidence and join the investigation by the European crime agency Eurojust, which conveniently is also based in the Hague. The city calls itself the International City of Peace and Justice, and it's the home to also the ICC as well as the ICJ, the principal judicial organ of the UN. And also the Netherlands is actively lobbying to have The Hague host a possible international tribunal against Russia if it ever comes to that. Which uh, seems a long way off at the moment, yeah. Yes. It's just as well that we're buying out all these farmers to make space for all these uh, international <laughs> tribunals, right? So. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's the plan, I think, yeah. That's uh, what Klaus <laughs> yeah, Schwab yeah, is it. up to. <laughs> 
And finally, sports news. And I'm afraid uh, it is going to have to be football this week, Paul. Because, yeah, I was prepared yeah, for that. Because uh, Feyenoord sailed through the quarterfinals of the prestigious Europa League tournament. Uh, they beat Ukrainian side Shakhtar Donetsk 7-1 in Rotterdam, and that uh, wrapped up an 8-2 aggregate win. There were two goals each for Orkun Kochu and Usama Idrisi. Coach Ari Slot was generous in his analysis. He said Shakhtar played well for about 30 minutes, but he said they're not used to that level of intensity in a domestic league. And then he said, there's a dreadful reason for that, and we all know what it is. Um, I really like Harry Slot. I think he's quite a class act. You know, he could easily have sort of lauded it here and showered his team in praise, but it, the fact that he acknowledged the suffering of the you know, players in Ukraine, I think, was quite nice. In the Conference League, Azat Alkmaar are also through, just like in Rome. They came from 1-0 down against Lazio to win 2-1 at home and complete a 4-2 win overall. The draw for the next round of both competitions is taking place on Friday. Feyenoord could face Manchester United, Roma, who they of course played in the final of the uh, Conference League last season, or PSV's conquerors Sevilla, while Azet's potential opponents include two Belgian clubs, Anderlecht and Gent. And this weekend it's crunch time the Eredivisie as Feyenoord face Ajax looking to hold on to or maybe even extend their three-point lead in the league uh, at the Johan Cruyff Arena. So uh, speaking of Ajax, uh, there has been a development in the uh, in the trial of Quincy Promes this week, Yes, right? Promes uh, is on trial in Amsterdam accused of stabbing his nephew at a family party in Abgauda. The district court was due to deliver a verdict in the case on Friday. Prosecutors had demanded a two-year jail sentence, but the court said it was reopening the investigation for undisclosed reasons and would be giving an interim judgment instead. Promes hasn't attended the court hearings. He was sold to Spartak Moscow for 8 million euros shortly after the stabbing incident. I'm sure those two things were completely unrelated. And <laughs> says he's worried he'd be arrested if he goes back to Amsterdam because police want to question him in connection with a drugs case. His club have requested a Russian passport on his behalf so he can travel to training camps abroad. According to Russian media, he missed a trip to the United Arab Emirates this season because the country has an extradition treaty with the Netherlands, but Russia doesn't allow its citizens to be extradited. And uh, the reason why we have an extradition uh, treaty with the United Arab Emirates is, of course, because of uh, Ridwan Tachi. Indeed, yeah. yes. So um, um, moving on to baseball, uh, there's also some uh, news about uh, how the Dutch are doing uh, with that sport, right? Yeah, in the World Baseball Classic. Remember how we were singing the praises of the Dutch team last week and how well they were doing? in this uh, event yeah. in Taiwan. Well, it looks like we cursed them because uh, <laughs> after their impressive wins against Cuba and Panama in the opening rounds, they were on the wrong end of a 9-5 defeat at the hands of host nation Taiwan. And then they collapsed in their final ma- match against Italy. They lost 7-1. And all of that meant that Pool A, which included the Netherlands, ended with all five teams level on points. And so the qualifiers hmm. were decided on the basis of fewest runs allowed per defensive out recorded. <laughs> I, think the, I think the ICC and not the International Cricket Council needs to get involved here, to be honest. Yes, I think so as well, yeah. <laughs> you thought cricket was difficult to follow. Here we have baseball. Yeah. Um, and so Cuba went through as group winners, Italy qualified as runners-up, and the Netherlands are out. Such a shame. Yeah. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnewsnl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast and access to all our exciting bonus content. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derrick, and we will be back next week, if our roads haven't been blockaded by tractors in the meantime. Mm-hmm.